Welcome to Dear Legal Ops, the podcast tackling tough topics impacting today's evolving legal operations profession anonymously. This podcast is made for and by the Legal Ops community. We will hear trailblazing tales and lessons learned from seasoned professionals, change makers, and community champions. Join us as we go on a journey of delightful insights and enthusiastic ideas that will inspire you to find your inner brilliance personally and professionally. Hey y'all, welcome back to another episode of Dear Legal Ops. I'm your co-host, Tommy Tavares Ferreira. As we ring in the new year, it's time to turn the page and write a new chapter for 2024. Today, Tom and I sit down with Sarah Huis. Sarah is an ex-in-house lawyer and a proud misfit turned LinkedIn coach for the legal industry. She helps legal professionals not just craft an authentic brand on LinkedIn. She transforms their LinkedIn profiles into lead gen machines. Her client success stories include winning multiple five-figure deals, landing someone their first ever client in three weeks, a double engagement in 60 days, winning an award, securing speaking opportunities. Sarah is also recognized on LinkedIn as a top voice in social media and personal branding, reaching millions of views and followed by some of the most highly regarded legal industry leaders. So let's unwrap the gifts of personal branding and legal design. Today's episode isn't just about innovation or personal branding. It's about revolutionizing your professional identity and making your mark in the legal ops world. So open your notebook and get ready to take some notes from a conversation that promises to be as inspiring as it is well-designed. But first, grab that glass and get comfy as we dig deeper into Dear Legal Ops. letter today is from Debbie, a data and design diva, and she's from Dallas. Our legal ops innovator at the forefront of change rights. Dear legal ops, as a dedicated member of the legal ops community, I've always prided myself on being among the most inventive minds in the room. My passion lies in blending data, design, and efficiency to reimagine traditional legal processes. But here's the challenge. While I recognize the untapped potential within our profession, I'm searching for ways to unearth and showcase this goldmine. How can I harness my skills in data and design to not only enhance our internal operations, but also to amplify the value we bring to the broader legal field? In a world where business professionals at large must constantly prove their worth, What strategies can I deploy to deploy my strategies and to firmly establish my narrative as a trailblazer reshaping the legal ops landscape? What a fun letter. Tom, hello, hello. Welcome back to the studio. Hello, hello. I love when my favorite character comes back to town, Miss Debbie, and she's from Dallas. <laughs> Loved her in the previous episodes. We're collecting a little character farm over here, and I'm quite happy for our very first episode in 2024. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. And so we have brought in a guest who is not even from Texas, not from the United States. She's coming to us from London. Sarah Huis, welcome. How are you? 
Thank you so much, Tommy. Hey, Tom. I'm doing great. Thank you. How are you? I bet you have so many questions about Debbie and Dallas. We will save that for <laughs> off camera. Just in case, you know, as a foreigner, you have any questions, I please don't research uh, or Google anything. But um, <laughs> I will work say especially. that. <laughs> right, 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 right. Um, I'm, I'm super interested in this letter as it came in our mailbox and we were starting our 2024 planning as well. Our, our own strategic planning, right? For the House of DLO and our episodes. Yeah, this letter of design. Tommy, like, wh- why was why was this the one that you, because you did lead this, like you were the one that went out here and said like, this is the first one we should do in 2024. Why? We're starting our first episode of 2024 with a design episode because it's it's new year. It's new year, new me. And when you're thinking about your next year, what you're planning for yourself for 2024 and what you're, what you're doing, you're, we ended 2023 with strap planning for ourselves, strap planning for the organization. And now you're starting in 24 and you're going to go out and design something for yourself. And so I thought the best person to answer this letter with us was Sarah, because Sarah knows a ton, not only about proper content generation, legal design and branding, but she is just on social media. She's on LinkedIn. She has people on there. And she is just giving us all these innovations and inspirations of how we can do design, how we can build our own brand, and how all of this ties together to accelerate our careers and to accelerate brand awareness for us as people. But really, it can help you to get legal ops done more strategically when you tell a story visually. So Sarah, can you give us a little bit of background on what legal design is to you? How did you get into this? And why do you think this can help people's career? This is a really good way to start. My simple one-liner response is that um, what we call the legal design or design thinking uh, applied to legal services is a problem-solving method. So what used to happen historically is that we are facing with a problem and we develop a solution on the back of that problem. But nowhere in that entire journey of producing legal advice, producing a memo if we work in private practice or delivering legal advice in-house, getting framing an outside counsel's memo, whatever, we sat there thinking, well, does that even make sense for the people I'm helping? Does that add any value in any shape or form to the people I work with on a daily basis, be it the sales team, the procurement team, the legal ops, professional, obviously, the the, the legal team itself. And I really love this letter because it it talked about data and processes. But the missing piece was, who is that for? Why am I providing? Why do I need data? What am I going to use it for? Um, who is it for, for in the first place? Is the data even relevant? So if you were to break it down, then what is legal design? Like what actually, not the definition, right? But a definition of a practical example of what is legal design. I, I'm actually just curious what your thoughts on that are. Yeah, so so design thinking, so what we call legal design is basically the design thinking methodology applied to the world of legal services. So in other words, you are developing solution on the basis of your actual customers' insights, pain points, and challenges. 
So you incorporate your customer in the, in the delivery of that particular solution rather than assuming what is it that people want based on experience, assumptions, and bias. Ah, okay, okay, yeah, because... I've always looked at legal design, and I think this is very complimentary, right? As is, it's combining this legal expertise with actually design thinking to create these user-friendly and impactful legal processes and documents, right? You're, you're enhancing the client engagement while at the same time being super focused on the business outcomes. Tommy, were you kind of in alignment on that as well? Did you have a different viewpoint here? I know it just looks very pretty. <laughs> It's very pretty. Wait, it's very legal pretty. design or me? <laughs> he looks very pretty. No, it's it, to me what I what I presume the answer to be, and it is a little bit of it. But what I thought legal design is, and what I've seen it in, in practice be, is um, the way certain information is conveyed and the way that it's brought down to its simplest form, and then conveyed in a way that the the content is you know, aesthetically pleasing and and highly digestible mm-hmm. to your point, Sarah, to the right audience. So it's mm-hmm. it's deciding what that message is that you need to get, who is the audience, and then putting together content that fits, that match matches both the the message and the recipient. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So that's one of the applications. And how did you find yourself here? I know you've had you know, as we mentioned earlier, uh, this career that has taken so many twists and turns that one would never imagine that you would find yourself here. What do you find alluring about design? Why did you find yourself in this place and start this business? So historically, I used to be a visual learner and I guess I'm still is, but that's basically, it all started from my experience in law school. So everyone else in law school would write down basically pages and pages of case law and, and, and so on. And I, would, I had already developed a very different approach to it by simplifying principle exception, main rule exception. So that's basically where it kind of started. So I had already a, um, a way of consuming information that was very different, that I felt was easier for me. So that was the, my origin story. Then when I moved on to becoming an in-house counsel, and then the head of legal, it became really apparent to me that the, the legal team was the department of no, the sales prevention department. And I couldn't resonate with this label. I didn't go to law school. I didn't choose to become an in-house counsel to be the, the sales prevention team. I wanted to add value. I wanted to be recognized as someone that adds value. So very early in my career, I started to train people differently. So I wouldn't deliver the typical boring training. I would always incorporate entertainment, visualization. So I would try all sorts of things, um, even back then as an in-house counsel. And then I incorporated that to processes, to the way we we deliver in-house legal services, to the way we contract. So it's kind of then followed on from here. And then I showcased all of that learning on social media, uh, primarily LinkedIn, that's how then I built an audience and I had a tribe. I developed a tribe of people that were interested in finding out more about it. And then people started to inquire and so on. So that's, that's kind of, that has been my journey into, you know, a problem that I had countered, that I developed a solution, I communicated it, and then people wanted to buy stuff from me 
uh, to, to either learn or do it themselves. Brilliant. Organically attacking the the problem in a way that suited you. You weren't looking out to start a business. You weren't looking out to do something different, but it was an organic solution to cater to the way that you learn. And I think a lot of people can relate to that. We're always talking about diversity, diversity of the way we approach things, diversity of thought, the, the diversity of the practical application of learning. And you took that, you took that, you turned it into something and then it was rewarded with, oh, look, <laughs> there are so many other people who not only find this use, useful, valuable, they can relate, they want to showcase their content in this way. And thus the popularity began. And that's how I, I learned of you was simply by seeing your content on, on LinkedIn specifically. And I was like, I have to talk to her because the content is really great. Clearly it's resonating. And also I'm always looking for ways to do trainings, to do implementations, to get across why I'm doing something in legal operations. And all I ever say is, I just want pretty pictures. Nobody wants to hear me. They don't want bullets <laughs> on the side. Can someone just help me design things better so that I can just convey what I'm trying to do in ways that people hear it? And I find I'm a visual learner too. I find that people really, the visual learning resonates with them. So I'm always looking for ways to do that. Tom, what do you think about visual learning and and getting uh, process information this way? Do you is this something that's valuable to you? Do you relate to it as well? Yeah, I really look at it as it's a tool for business impact. My my question, and I wouldn't say hesitation per se, but the one area in which I am trying to constantly remind myself is that when I am being tasked with a project, an assignment, flipping the table over, you know, and being able to lead in and usher in something new. It's what's the ROI, what's the value, and what is the impact it will have on the business. And oftentimes, you know, I sit there saying, well, yes, a pretty slide deck would be great, right? But does that convey the same message, right? Is it more of we need the constant 24-7 reinforcement of that because that's the way that you actually beat the doors down? Or is there something that says like instantly from an eye or design perspective, I get it, I understand it, it sells, right? I'm not sure where I stand in between those two worlds. This episode is made possible by our sponsor, Legal.io. Legal.io is the fastest growing community and marketplace for legal talent. Legal.io connects legal professionals to resources and opportunities at the world's leading in-house departments and firms. Legal.io is the launchpad for legal careers, matching legal ops professionals, attorneys, paralegals, and so many other legal professionals at some of the world's most exciting companies with a level of precision that only a data-driven, vertical-specific marketplace can provide. Supported by significant investors like Tiger Global, Legal.io is redefining the legal workspace. If you want to learn about the enterprise marketplace solution for legal talent, access salary surveys with compensation data as unique as you, and join their vibrant in-house legal community, visit www.legal.io. That's L-E-G-A-L dot I-O. Legal.io, your gateway to a global legal talent marketplace designed with the legal operations community in mind.
So Sarah, how do you find that you sell the ROI of design to people? What If you were selling it to me, what are you telling me that I'm going to, as a legal ops professional saying, hey, I'd, I'd like to learn how to do this better. What are you selling me when you're telling me, here's what the ROI will be. Here's what you'll get out of it if you become an expert at this. Like, wh- what do we think the the return is? Hmm. So my position has really changed over time and, and it goes back to Tom's point on what's the actual return on investment. Uh, because at the end of the day, you will only spare resources, time, money into something that can bring you two, three, ten, t- ten times more um, of that. So my first question is, well, why, why do you want to change it? And if the answer is, well, I just want my slide deck to look a bit better, that is instantly telling me that it's not big enough of a problem. Now, if you come to me and say, well, we've been having a lot of problems with this contract. We constantly get pushed back. And I'm looking for a way to improve the experience. Then that becomes more interesting. And then I start digging, okay, how has that impacted your business? It it impacted my business well because the average signature cycle from start to finish is six months. And it's such a basic contract that it's ridiculous for us to spend so much time on this. Now we're talking. Yeah. Oh, okay. Now, now, now you have me on the edge of my seat here, right? Yeah, now, because hold now, on, now go. <laughs> now, I'm, yes. now I'm Debbie, right? I'm, 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 I'm Miss Deborah, right? Deborah, the design diva Deborah. from Dallas. <laughs> she, uh, yeah, it's Deborah. It's Debbie's sister from down the street. You know. Okay. Yeah. So to her question, right? I, I am intrigued. I actually do want to know this. What is what is the design answer here, right? We know we know you can buy technology. We know you could potentially mm-hmm. do a change management initiative, right? Whatever. Those are the easy answers. Tell me how design fixes that specific problem. So the design thinking method, if we start there, would fix the usability problem because what you what would happen? Let's say you want to implement technology. You will figure out okay. What is it that people struggle with? And is technology the problem? Because sometimes we can, especially in the industry, we've seen times and times again, people jumping into conclusions, thinking we need tech, we need tech. And actually, when you speak to people, the problem isn't necessarily the the process in itself that can be automated. It's that they don't understand the process. Like they don't understand who needs to sign, who needs to be involved at what, what point. So asking the right question is what design thinking is about because you can nail what the root cause of the problem actually is and then you develop solution. So if I don't understand, if the problem is I don't understand who is responsible for dealing with this contract, it can be resolved by technology with the workflow and stuff, but maybe there's another way. Maybe they need more training. Maybe the training we have is inappropriate. So that's where maybe producing a more user-friendly documents training can be one of the answers. So it's always, as you were saying, Tom, a tool rather than a solution. So design thinking, you would use it first as a method. And then if the, the way you consume the information, if you are facing issues with understanding a particular process, then you would look at potentially redesigning some documents, some processes, some training as part of the solutions that you explore. Sarah, do we have to all be 
really creative? What if Deborah from Dallas is not creative? What if she can't serve up really good looking content? Does she, is there a methodology by which she can use to learn how to do it? Or does she have to call someone like you? Like, what does someone do if this is, if creativity is not their strong suit? And let, let me, let me plus on this question of, I'll give you a, an actual example, right? Of, yeah, if you are trying a new initiative, Tommy, both of us start up companies, right? And so when we're thinking about our legal teams, we're ultimately thinking about an initiative we know has been tried and tested before, right? At our previous stops along the highway. I know that maybe what worked for me at Credit Karma can work for a lot of other people at other places, right? But what happens if we don't have the data? What happens if we don't have the history? What happens if we don't? We know it. Where does design help us, right? Because that's when I start at the slide deck of like, I don't know, deck one. It works, right? But that's, that's really not an answer, is it? Yeah. So I, I think there's two questions here. Maybe I'll, I'll start with Tom's one uh, because it speaks to obviously what happens if you have nothing to start uh, from. I would start with a minimum viable project. So if you're starting from scratch, your new, new legal ops in your new company, you have no data, you need to get the data from somewhere. So let's say that, you know, one of your first things that you have to do is potentially revamp a certain contracting process or you start with one template. You start conducting some um, user research or interviews with a handful of people from sales or from procurement or, and you start gathering data that way. It doesn't have to be perfect, but that's your starting point to understand, okay, that's the current situation. That is the current reality. And then from there, what's the dream outcome? Where would you like, where would we want to be in three months, six months? And what does success look like? Ooh, what does success look like? Yes. Yes. What? Best question. I want to say it a thrice. I love that. And what does success look like? That to me, that's that's where legal design starts. So, okay. So yeah. Mm-hmm. What does success look like? Keep keep us going on this journey. Yeah. So, so you ask those questions, you know. So what's the situation? What are you frustrated with? If you had the magic wand, what would you change about it? What would you change about this contract? And then you start gathering data on that basis. For some people, it might be the process. For some people, it might be the look and feel. For some people, it might be the time it takes from start to finish. So depending on who you interview, you will gather those insights. And that's how you start building a new type of experience that that helps you frame the minimum viable solution. Again, you are not trying to reinvent the wheel or change everything. You start with one process, one contract type, if if it's a contracting process. And then you start informing your decision based on how well this is being received, feedback, and you iterate along the way. So I would do it very quick and dirty. Quick and dirty. That's that's what success looks like over here at the House of DLO. Quick and dirty. Uh, it is my middle name. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm gonna take us, I'm gonna take us on a journey, Deborah. Be patient with us because I'm going to take us on a journey here. I'm going to say, we're going to suspend a little bit of reality here. We're going to we're going to fast forward to the third season of the show and we're going to go, okay, we have now learned a little bit of background of what legal design is, a little bit of how you get started and you, how you begin down the journey and a little bit of how you start to create content. So I'm going to say, we're going to fast forward and say, Debbie is now 
legal design whiz. She's using it left, right, and center around her company. She's selling things. She's getting buy-in. She's getting money from finance. She's using the methodologies we've talked about. Now, she feels really proud of herself and she's going, okay, I'm doing a lot inside of my company. I am making pitches. Home runs are happening. How does she elevate her brand now? Now I'm going to flip it. Now I'm going to bring us to LinkedIn. Now I'm going to talk about Debbie, the the LinkedIn influencer who starts to talk about her wins and her, her successes. She defined what success looks like and she did it. So now the reason why I'm flipping this is, Sarah, because I know that that's a little bit of your personal story too, which was you, you started in design thinking. You were pushing out legal design thinking. That's where your popularity came from. And it pivoted and it turned into sort of branding and marketing. So I would love to talk a little bit about what a legal ops professional can do or learn from you about personal branding. Why is it important? What do you do? And why should someone utilize it to elevate their career? Mm -hmm. So what became very apparent to me when I was trying to sell legal design for in-house legal teams is that it wasn't perceived as a must and rather a nice to have. So it, it is really something that I failed and struggled to sell as a service. So then I started to think, okay, what is the other application of the things that I do that could be perceived more as a must rather than a nice to have. And that's where I pivoted into more, how do you build a profile? How do you grow your network? And if you have a business or if you want to start a business one day, how do you turn what you do into a lead generation machine? Yeah. So how, in other words, how do you monetize what you do? And most legal ops people, let's face it, they're not going to monetize what they do by branding themselves because most of us are simply W2 employees, right? A lot of us, maybe some of us aren't, but let's just play. Some of us are. Let's let's pretend Debbie from Dallas is. Mm -hmm. She's in-house and, and she's not out selling to build her business, but more of to build the business of her, the, the business of Debbie, so that she can get bigger legal ops opportunities and she can get the next big role out there. Mm -hmm. How does she start down her branding road? Like, what does that look like and, and why is it important? So the reason why it's important is there is a difference between knowing and make it known. You might be the best legal ops professional out there. You may have even saved your company's millions of dollars. But if no one else knows about it, apart from your employer, then it's of, it, it doesn't benefit you beyond the parameters of your job description. That's right. And that is a missed opportunity because there could be another someone else out there that might be looking for exactly someone to solve a similar problem. And they may come across you on LinkedIn because you've posted how you've saved the company millions of dollars and married out to you on the back of it. You know, you may have a job today, but who knows tomorrow? I mean, we live in a, a recession. There are plenty of people that lose their jobs and there's nothing wrong with them. It's just the reality. It's um, the market is becoming more and more flexible when nothing is guaranteed. The industrial age is gone and you always want to have options to either work for yourself or work elsewhere and, and be better paid elsewhere. And like, there could be many reasons why you want to future-proof your career. And 
you have the ability to do that by simply sharing what is it that you do on a daily basis and how you are solving problems because somebody else's problem could be your opportunity. I think the the golden nugget here as we are getting the the red light siren to kind of head on home here with our episode, I can't believe it's flown so quickly, is yeah, I really think, Sarah, I keep going back to it. Tommy and I, I think are a little floored by this, what does success look like? You know, like taking the dream and being able to leverage the skills to not only enhance what you are trying to accomplish, but more importantly, how do you amplify your value within the next level? And that can be within bringing value to your company, right? Because you're, it's new and it's a startup or maybe it's, you've gotten to the peak and you're like looking to do the brand side, branding side, right? The, the distribution and the community networking or, or somewhere in between. So if you were to reach back on all the things today that you taught us about design, data, and storytelling, what would be a final thought you'd like to be able to give Debbie, our data and design diva, as she's trying to figure out, yeah, how do you prove your worth and then what strategies to deploy? So I I would start by um, saying that legal teams already have a goldmine of data, hidden data, hidden knowledge. But so far, until very recently, they didn't have the tools nor the knowledge to really dig in. And and this is where legal operations professionals come in. They really come with both the tools and the knowledge to dig into the gold and add tremendous value. And I think the the one reminder I'd like to make for legal ops professionals is to not underestimate the value that it can provide. Uh, But it's not just enough to provide value most importantly, you should really look at making it known. So that's probably the last final thoughts. Sarah, I want to thank you so much for being here today. We learned so much. Always asking ourselves, what does success look like? And also thinking about personal branding, being someone who knows something and making sure that you're making it known. These are two wonderful, valuable things that the House of Deal are going to take with them today. Tom, what was your favorite part of the episode? Oh, gosh. Honestly, it was the success. It was the, (laughs) you know, I'm always, yeah, I'm always looking for one way that I can take it one step further without adding more noise. And that was a simplified way for me to constantly remind myself of value without noise. Sarah, where can our listeners find you? I guess it's uh, probably obvious, but LinkedIn. (laughs) Wonderful. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks so much, Tommy. Thank you, Tom. Y'all, that was it. As we close the first chapter of 2024 at the House of Dear Legal Ops, it's clear this year, it's about more than just resolutions. It's about transformations. Today's journey with Sarah, uh, Tommy and I, we had a lot of fun talking about personal branding, actually defining what legal design is, and then figuring out what those tools look like so they can be a powerful catalyst in redefining our professional and personal branding narratives. So when I'm thinking about that conversation today and Debbie's letter from Dallas, it's evident there's a whole land out there 
that's ripe for innovation. Think of it as just a field where creativity meets practicality, where individuality can thrive alongside collective growth. And this episode, it's a good one, y'all. I think and I'm hoping that you'll be able to take away from this that we each have that unique, special blend and that dash of boldness. And coupled with a sprinkle of legal vision in the form of legal design, we too can indeed craft a professional identity that resonates and impacts. And y'all, that line, where do we want to be? It's about asking what success looks like to build a new type of experience that helps you frame the minimal viable solution. So as we step forward in the rest of this year, let's carry those insights and inspirations from today's episode. Let's challenge ourselves to think outside of the box, to embrace that unique talent, whether it's on LinkedIn, whether it's in your storytelling, or whether you're just trying to continually strive for growth and excellence. The journey of personal and professional development is an ongoing one, and specifically one that Tommy and I are just along for the ride too. And each step we take is a step towards crafting a legacy in whatever field we're trying to define. So raise that glass. It's 2024. It's a new year and new beginnings. But let's also raise them to the endless possibilities that lie ahead. Whether it's those roads less traveled, those stories yet to be told, or the future we're all trying to shape together in this crazy yet winding road of legal ops. Just remember, keep pushing those boundaries, keep innovating, and keeping the trailblazers you are. For more Dear Legal Ops content, make sure to follow us on all social media using the handle at Dear Legal Ops. Have a tough legal ops topic you want us to tackle? Submit a letter and share your stories with us at dearlegalops.com slash submit for a chance to be featured on the show. Like what you hear? Go ahead and leave us a five-star review wherever you're listening. As always, I'm your host, Tom Stevenson, adding a splash of color to the lively landscape that is legal operations. And I'm Tommy Tavares Pereira, your voice of reason amidst the whirlwind of change, keeping it real and relatable. Dear Legal Ops is produced by Red Rock Music. Until next time. <laughs>